All right, everyone, welcome to the newest episode of Heal Thyself. This is going to be the most dense episode I have ever done. I put in so much research to give you so much good information. We have an awesome guest. I cannot wait to get started. We cannot waste another minute. We're going to jump right in. I want to tell everyone that I'm grateful that you're all listening. I'm grateful that you're sharing it. And I'm grateful that now you're all empowered. So let's jump right into the knowledge bomb. No seconds wasted today. Oh boy, today's knowledge bomb I have been waiting to talk about for quite a while. Now, um, I wanted to tie it all in together with the product review because the product review has been something that has been highly anticipated, but I wanted people to have the foundation of understanding why there is urgency and talking about the products and what it means and what are the health implications of heavy metals. Heavy metals, yes, not the music, not Metallica, not the stuff I used to love when I was little, but heavy metals in nature slash industry that are adulterating our food and causing health effects. They are real. They are recognized in the medical community, although there's a spectrum of how much weight it holds for some people or how much they care about it, practitioners, but um, a lot of health can change, your health can change when you address heavy metals. So, uh, and refer, I had an episode with Dr. Vivian Chen. She talks all about heavy metals and how it affected her health and how she got better. So they're natural occurring elements. The heavy metals, they're called heavy because they have high atomic weight. Um, and they're found on earth. But when they're really high in our food, usually that's gonna be a product of industry, domestic, agricultural, mechanical, and tech industries. This is when it adulterates our food because some foods tend to be pretty high in heavy metals. Now there's some that are inherently high, which we may know intuitively already, or we may have heard of. I'm gonna go into it. But for the most part, they are uh, either found in the environment, naturally occurring, or in the industry, okay? They're toxic especially when they're at high levels, but it depends on the dose. It depends on the, the route of how you're um, exposed to it, what your age is, what your gender is, what your genetics are. Can your genes help detoxify those heavy metals better, better than your cousin or your sister or your brother? Um, and, and how well do we detox? What about our organs of detoxification, like our liver, our kidney, our skin, pooping, every, our lungs, everything that is removing all that waste from our body, how are they working? So it's really important to open these up. And what I mean by that is they're called amunctories. Let's just put a general term, amunctories. Those are the routes of detox. They need to be opened and ready. We need to facilitate that in many different ways. Heavy metals can cross the uh, placenta. They can cross the blood-brain barrier. They, it's important to be vigilant because we can pass these on to uh, our children, all right? And that can cause some predispositions and or some frank diseases that we see in children. All right, so some of the major ones of most concern, arsenic, of course, I did a show on arsenic, talked about rice, talked about chicken. It's used as a desiccant in uh, cotton. It's also found in herbicides, some fruit juices, water across the board is gonna have heavy metals. Depends on where, um, location, okay, but uh, a lot of water, that's why I'm gonna do a whole water episode, but it's important to have a high quality water filter to get rid of those heavy metals. So arsenic can cause GI issues, liver issues, nervous system, respiratory, and across the board of all of the um, organizations that are labeling whether or not it's carcinogenic, it's known to be a carcinogen, meaning causes cancer. Without a doubt, arsenic causes cancer, okay? Cadmium, 
This is an important one to pay attention to because it's going to leak into the um, product review. It's found in tobacco, water, cacao powder, rice grains, shellfish, seafood, organ meats, fruit juices, um, even different vegetables, but it's also found in pesticide residues. This is why I always talk about the importance of organic because not only are you reducing, sure, pesticides, but you're also reducing heavy metals. I'm gonna go in a few things about organic and heavy metals too. But cadmium affects the cardiovascular system, organ development, uh, the GI, right, digestive issues, neuro, renal, reproductive, respiratory, and it goes from a probable carcinogen, probably causes cancer, to a known carcinogen. Lead is another very important one that I'm gonna go into in the product review, but that's found in water, paint, cacao powder, uh, different fruit juices in the US, baby food, yes, baby food, toys, um, pottery, ceramics, eyeliner, lipstick, and even uh, wild game from when people shoot the animals uh, and the lead dust gets in there and they eat the lead dust, which is pretty ironic actually. Um, that's We see that too as an exposure and also pesticide re residues, as I mentioned. Um, it affects the neurological system and the kidneys and it goes from a spectrum of possible carcinogen to reasonably anticipate, anticipated to be a carcinogen. Mercury, we all heard of it. We just know that it's not a good thing. We're told not to play with thermometers or mercury as, as children, but it's high in fish, uh, high in dental amalgams. That's a really big exposure. Um, please check out that episode on amalgams. It was one of my first ones that I ever did. Um, also in the water and also pesticide residues. You see this commonality now. And that affects development uh, and, and neurological system and the kidneys. And it goes from possible carcinogen to probable carcinogen. And we have chromium, the last one. It's usually more of a carcinogen when it's inhaled. Um, that's when it's really considered to be very dangerous. Although you can absolutely orally get too much chromium um, and that's found uh, to affect the immune system, kidney and respiratory. I won't go too much into that one, okay? So heavy metals can build up in the dust in the house. And I want to do, uh, I want to highlight that a big exposure to heavy metals is makeup. So for all the women listening, yes, you can be exposed to heavy metals with makeup and different personal care products. We'll um, reserve a whole show to go into that too. Um, so what happens is these heavy metals they accumulate in the organs, right? And it affects the DNA, and that can up or down regulate different, uh, the symphony of genes, right? There's a perfect balance that goes on that uh, acquiesces to the environment, right? Whatever we give it or whatever they expose to, our genes react accordingly, that's epigenetics. Um, so what happens is with these heavy metals, they can actually push those genes to start creating more pathological outputs, right? Uh, for example, what I'm getting to is something like cancer, right? It can change the genes and cause a predisposition to different cancers, sometimes even depending on the organ where it's building up. And then when you look at the cycle where it produces energy in our body called the citric acid cycle, you'll see the different steps to produce energy and sustain life can be virtually disrupted by heavy metals on every single step of the process. I call them monkey wrenches, right? It's like a perfectly well-oiled cycle flowing around and then you have these heavy metals all the way from up top when you're breaking down macronutrients like carbohydrates, fats, and proteins, it can disrupt even the breakdown of those going into that cycle to help us produce energy, a monkey wrench, boom, it's crazy. All right, organic, 
does not mean no heavy metals. Pay close attention to this. I speak about organic a lot because it's very, very good when it comes to standardizing or at least understanding what's in our food, but it does not mean there's no heavy metals, okay? What it does mean is there's no pesticides, synthetic fertilizer, sewer sludge, antibiotics, GMOs, radiation, all that other crap that I still don't understand why it's in the system, um, but it does not screen or measure out heavy metals. So there was a toxicology journal last year that did a study and they, sh they showed that basically heavy metal contaminants are in 22 pesticides, including 11 glyphosate-based ones, and they found arsenic, lead, chromium, cobalt, and nickel. These are known to be toxic, and I mentioned many of the um, systems that it attacks, and these are most of the pesticides in the world are glyphosate-based ones anyway. So remember, even if you are uh, choosing organic, there can be heavy metals, but if you're not, then you're getting exposed to all that crap that I mentioned, right? Like the fertilizers, antibiotics, pesticides, herbicides, but now you're getting uh, exposed to higher than normal levels of heavy metals. So one of the main sources of heavy metals are going to be pesticides. Very important to pay attention to. Do not downplay that. Don't let anyone who doesn't understand nutrition or people who think they understand nutrition tell you that heavy metals don't exist or tell you that heavy metals are not uh, exposed to in high levels of pesticides because that ain't true. All right, known endocrine disruptors. Yeah, they affect your hormones. They affect your hormones, absolutely. Heavy metals are monkey wrenches to the symphony of hormone production and hormone balance and regulation. So if you are worried... It's important to stay organic, as I mentioned, yes, but pay close attention to avoid foods that are high in heavy metals. I mentioned some of them, but do your own research too. There are many practitioners out there that can test for heavy metals. Now, your conventional doctor will probably do a blood test and say, look, you are low on all heavy metals. That to me is not accurate because that's not the way the body works. When it's exposed to a heavy metal, it will be in the blood for a short amount of time. If it's in the blood for a long time at high levels, You'll, you're gonna die, you're done. So what happens instead, the body's so smart, it goes, instead of leaving it in the blood to affect the rest of the body, why don't we put it in storage? So it stores it, where? In the hair, in the tissues, in the bone, right? That's long-term storage of heavy metals. So it's very difficult to measure your overall body burden for heavy metals, although we can take snapshots and get a better understanding. Now, your practitioner should talk about hair, right? That's, a, that's an important test to do. It's not, the, it's not overall accurate, but it's part of the steps, right? We, take, we, we add it in as a, to see the whole picture. So you do hair, and then you can do a provoked urine test where you ingest something that actually pushes some heavy metals out and then you urinate them out. That can give us another measure. And then there's tests actually out there that measure the uh, antibodies to these heavy metals that can be uh, a little bit more accurate than the two aforementioned. But as a whole, when you do all three, then you get a better picture of where you are with your heavy metals. But it's without a doubt that everyone should at least be screened at some point uh, every few years for their heavy metal levels, okay? So you must work with a professional. You can't just go on a heavy metal quote unquote detox because it depends on you, but you have to be open. You have to be ready to, your organs have to be ready to detox. You gotta be eating healthy. So it's really important. Look, we all are exposed to heavy metals. We're exposed to heavy metals every day when in food we eat and then our lifestyle. I have 1 million tattoos. I have a thousand million heavy metals flowing through my body. I understand that, but what's most important is making sure that we are detoxing, making sure that our organs of detox 
are ready to detox, are strong. We're giving the body what it needs, okay? And you can always get that anal uh, analysis going with a naturopathic doctor or functional doctor. Really important stuff, okay? Don't go crazy and worry yourself crazy with heavy metals, but know it's a thing and we're exposed to it. One last part on heavy metals, the uh, Journal of Environmental Public Health showed that individuals with higher exposure or body burden in the sweat, in the sweat, right? When you're sweating out those heavy metals, it generally exceeds the amount in the blood and it coming out in the urine. That's really important because sweat has been shown to reduce arsenic, cadmium, lead at appreciable rates over 24 hours. It can either match the excretion coming out of the urine. This is why I talk about sweating so much. This is why I got an IR sauna in my house last week because sweating is one of our body's main ways to get rid of this crap, okay? So if you ain't sweating, make sure you go to the gym today after listening to this podcast, okay? Why don't we go into this product review? I cannot tell you how excited I am. I'm like a young boy on Christmas. I'm ready to hand out these gifts. Let's go straight into it because I can't wait another second. All right, so earlier in the week, I put out a post saying that cacao is one of the uh, most potent sources of dietary heavy metals. And it had uh, many, many, many reactions, lots of uh, engagement for this reason in particular. Cacao is really powerful. It's a wonderful health food. So in the health and wellness industry, it's it can be a staple for many of us. But... I just don't think people are responsibly sourcing it. I don't think people are responsibly uh, being transparent with it. And I think that we need to do better at choosing our cacao. So with that said, I found the need to disseminate empowering information, which is what we do here. Inform you all with the best ones out there, teach you all how to find the best ones out there, and then choose a better cacao because it's kind of like the Wild West, actually. There's a huge spectrum. There's cacao that's really crappy, high in heavy metals, particularly lead and cadmium, and then there's ones out there that are a little bit better. The first concept I want you to understand is what is a COA? That's a certificate of analysis. It's a sheet or document, and these are going to highlight the properties of the subject at hand, and this particular issue being cacao, right? So it's going to highlight the properties with analytical data, and we're going to hopefully see on every single one, third-party tests, reference range for different particular points, like lot numbers, batch numbers, like physical color, odor, density, moisture, pH. Um, but it's just as important as all of this in the sourcing is to know if there's any impurities in the product at hand, right? So for the cacao, we're looking for foreign matter, toxins, pesticides, fungicides, residues, mold, GMOs. But most importantly, in the context of all of this, heavy metals. So one of the main things that I look for already, when I reached out to these companies and I reached out to many, many companies, one of the main things I look for is, are they transparent, right? Because if someone is dodging questions or not transparent, then I, with my own trust issues, already don't believe it, okay? But when if someone is forthcoming, proactive and assertive at showing how well their company is, how proud they are, right? Then they give you all the information. They say, look, 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 here, check this out. Look, all right, aren't we great? That's the company that I wanna get behind. So what I did is I asked many companies and any ones that denied the certificate of authenticity, I already was a little bit, uh, a little bit suspect on them, okay? So 
And it's, it's the same thing. The COA was what got all of these supplement companies in trouble uh, a few years ago, like GNC or, or, or Walgreens or Walmart. They, they had third-party testing, and it didn't match up to what was said that is in these capsules. Um, so Proposition 65 is a basically, uh, well, it's, well, it's imposed by the Office of Environmental Health Hazard and Assessment back in the 80s, and it became law in California. So what happens is here in Cali, where I live, uh, it'll show a sign if a product or a company or a business or workplace uh, has chemicals that are known, over 900 of these are on the list, that are known to exceed California standards. And it usually says something like this, this product may contain a chemical known to the state of California to cause cancer or birth defects or reproductive harm, okay? So that's important because California seems to be very strict and very stringent on what the levels of toxins are and Protect, tries to protect Californians so we can make informed decisions whether or not we still want to buy it. And I'll see this sign everywhere. I'll see it on some supplements. I'll see it on some renting units, some housing units. I'll see it on some businesses. I saw it at Whole Foods once um, because of the stuff that they were talking about BPA and many of their products. So um, the Proposition 65 levels California levels are usually lower than the FDA for that reason, because they're very strict and stringent. Um, the problem with the FDA is like, it's a rabbit hole. Their levels are, to me, higher than they should be. And when you look down that rabbit hole and you find out why, I won't get into it on this episode, I'll just say FDA is a little bit corrupt, you find out that their levels are, they're, they're, to me, you should always be more strict, particularly, particularly in the form of heavy metals, because heavy metals build up in the system, right? So if I'm being exposed to something that has heavy metals every day, day to day, it is building up in my system. Now, if it's chemical that's excreted in 12 hours, okay, maybe that, that gets a better pass, right? But when it comes to heavy metals, I always want to pay attention to what California is saying. So for cacao, what we know, and I, I did a chocolate episode a few episodes ago, maybe two or three episodes ago, we spoke about lead and cadmium. Lead and cadmium are the two notorious heavy metals to be shown to be in cacao, okay? So what these companies are saying from the get-go, and I got a lot of emails where they're saying, it's natural, it's from the earth, so you know we can't really control that, but uh, rest assured, we're organic, it's fine. But what they don't know and they don't mention is that, uh, or they don't mention which would be even be worse, or I don't even know if they don't know that, that might even be worse too. But what, what is not put, being put out there is that there's many studies out there that show that actually the beans, uh, the exposure to heavy metals are not necessarily coming from them sucking it up from the ground, but it's coming from shipping and processing. Okay, so please pay attention to that if anyone says, oh, it's natural, it comes from the earth. That's why cacao has lead and cadmium. So many companies are using a lot of this type of verbiage, take our word for it, or uh, we, we would never, or we source from the all organic, ensure the best. These are quotes that I can see in my head. Um, and, and it's sort of disheartening because no, I'm not, you know, uh, I have trust issues and, and I would like to see third-party data that actually verifies and validates what you're telling me, okay? So, I try to take a forgiving tone with this, and I promised myself I would, but I just don't like when companies are beating around the bush or taking shortcuts or not thorough. So 
the EPA and FDA are involved in setting the limits, but remember, I told you Cali has their own limits, so I'm going to go with the Cali limits. The maximal, maximum, you might want to write this down, the maximum allowable limit uh, for uh, cadmium when it comes to the California limit is 4.1 micrograms per day. For lead, it is 0.5 micrograms per day, and no levels are safe for children. Remember, that is the Cali level. Cadmium, 4.1 micrograms per day, lead, 0.5 micrograms per day. Now, to compare, the FDA's dose per day for lead is 12.5 micrograms in, in contrast to Cali's 0.5, okay? And for children, they say three to six micrograms per day are safe. Again, in contrast to Cali's 0.5. So you can see Cali takes these more conservative limits, and rightfully so, because they're heavy metals and they build up. When I'll get these emails back, sometimes they'll even say, they'll go as far as saying, oh, we tested our product and it came back with zero heavy metals. Okay. Uh, or they'll say, we tested our product and it came back with, and then they'll spit out some numbers. Still, that doesn't mean anything to me. I could spit out how much I bench press and I could say 500 pounds and you're going to believe it or are you going to believe it when you come to the gym and see me struggling and dropping the weight when I'm doing 500 pounds? You understand what I'm saying? You have to see that evidence. Otherwise, you're just going to take someone's word for it. And that person could be completely misinformed or even worse, misinforming you. Moving on, when we talk about this, uh, there was a uh, 27, I mentioned this on the chocolate episode, there's a 2017 independent testing done by As You Sew, and what they did is they found high levels of lead and um, cadmium in different, uh, in different beans, right, these chocolate beans. And what happened was they pushed, because of this, actually, they caused Cargill, Hershey's, Mars, and Nestle to, to get their own independent investigators after that because they got in trouble for lead and cadmium. So it's, it's, if you're in the industry, you know that these heavy metals are big. So now, on to my best and worst. This is what you all been waiting for, right? So these lists are based on transparency for one, of course. If a company's transparent, I'm always listening, right? Because like I said, if you're transparent, you're proud. I usually go hand in hand. If you're transparent, you're proud. Um, if you're avoiding or you're giving me jargon or you're talking to me like I wouldn't understand it, then I got a problem with that. And if the uh, and and I also used information from the third-party testing as you sow. There was some uh, information on cacao powders, and then of course, if they produced the certificate of analysis, then I went through the numbers, converted them, put them into um, daily doses, and then and then found that. So before I get now into the particular companies, let me just say I reached out to many of them and. I did not hear back from the following companies. So if they're the ones you've been waiting hand and foot at, at the edge of your seat, um, I have no information on these. Blue Lily, Zint, Kakoko, Cali Natural, Anthony's, Levy Fit, Divine Organics, OMG, HealthWorks, Zen Spirit. None of those reached back to me after I made multiple inquiries. So I can't say that they're good. I can't deny that they're no good. So. We'll just leave it at that. Like all products reviews, I always start with the worst and then we build up to the best. Give me the bad news and give me the good news. So Now Brand, Now Brand has a cacao powder and I called about it. They didn't give me a certificate. They say don't, they don't give it. And here's one crazy thing that companies do. They say, 
we don't give the certificate of analysis because it's proprietary. I was like, proprietary what? Heavy metals are proprietary to your supplement, which is crazy to hear. That's like any company saying, oh no, we can't show you what's in it because these minerals are proprietary to our lettuce or our broccoli or our cabbage. They are inherently there and or adulterated, but it's not a proprietary. You're not giving away your formula. All you're doing is showing the levels of inherent heavy metals. And if a company does have any proprietary info, right? If, if, if it says that they're sourced from, and then it says this sacred land in Ecuador, um, just don't send me that page. Just send the heavy, and that's what companies did. They sent me the heavy metals only page to protect their, to protect their proprietary sourcing. I get the sourcing. I get you wanna keep it proprietary and safe, but oh, then, then just send the heavy metals. That's all I asked for, and I didn't get it. So back to now brand. Uh, too high on the cadmium, too high on the lead with the numbers that they verbally gave me. But then when you look at the as you sow levels, it's it's they're astonishingly high. Way too high cadmium per day. Remember I said 4.1 micrograms per day per serving. Uh, this is getting 10.8 micrograms per serving. So you're already done with the day. You're at, you're at more than double the amount. And then lead is 7.5 micrograms per uh, per day or per serving you're getting with now and the allowable limit is 0.5 so way too much now take that throw it in the garbage we'll keep it at that moon juice flat denial they said proprietary uh they said it multiple times i asked multiple times to send it out they said big nose they were copying out they they were swerving left and right like the matrix too much i didn't want it done goodbye moon juice prana another company that was particularly dodging everything, same dialogue. They say, we offer high quality, it's organic, you don't need to worry, acting like I had no idea what I was talking about, way too much. Again, these are companies that are dodging, I, I already am a suspect for. And look, if they were transparent, it might've been another story, but if you're dodging, then what am I gonna do with the information you give me other than you know believe that it's, it's, not, it's, not, it's not a good product? Sun food. Sun food is one that is found and it's pretty popular. Now we're getting to the popular ones. I spoke to someone directly on the phone, right? They were a really nice lady. We, I feel like we bonded too. And uh, uh, they said, yes, Dr. Gonzalez, we are sending it to you right now. I'm actually typing in your name and sending it to you right now. And I checked three times last night and I got no email from them. Now I'll give her the benefit of the doubt. Maybe she forgot. Okay. But what we do know from the as you sow uh, investigation is that their cadmium was astonishingly high, over 11 times higher than the amount, 11 to 12 times higher than the amount per day that is allowed. And their lead was about, let's see if I can do math anymore, six times, seven times higher than the allowable amount. So sun food was one of the worst cacaos that I have found almost as bad as the now brand um, when it comes to the the cadmium, but the lead was too high. The cadmium was too high for sun food. Um, these are older readings. And look, the company could have done so much better from those readings, but they didn't even provide me. So I don't even know if they're doing better. All I'm going to go with was what the data showed and what's out there. And that's what's out there. Had they provide a COA, would have been a different story. All right. I know you've all been waiting for this company. I know you've been, all been waiting, and here I'm going to talk about the most popular cacao brand out there. See, and I even went so far as to bring it with me. So here it goes, Navitas. You will find this everywhere. You know, I actually went to Whole Foods, and I go, where are your cacao powders? 
lady goes, come with me, come with me. So I go, I'm walking, weaving in and out of the aisles and I get to the cacao powders and I go, oh, okay, uh, wh where are the rest of them? And she's like, oh no, we only carry Navitas. So apparently this company has a monopoly on Whole Foods. Um, one of the most rec recognizable uh, cacao powders. I'll start off by saying this, they were hard to get in touch with. I called, I left two messages, no one ever responded. Other people on Instagram advocated for themselves and thank you all for doing that. They requested COAs. They said they don't give certificate of analysis, which is already a red flag. Um, they are organic, great. And that's what they got, that's what was sent out to these people on emails, that we're organic, we're high quality, you go on, the, you go on their website, they echo that in many ways. They say it's high in antioxidants, fair trade, which I'm all behind, good fair trade products. Um, and you know I'm behind the organic label, which it does have, non-GMO label, which it does have. Um, but when you go on the website, you'll find an area where they talk about Proposition 65. And remember, I just spoke about that before. And they said that, and actually when you look at this product in itself, and you go to the back, the very back and on the bottom it says, warning this product contains chemicals known to the state of California to cause birth defects and other reproductive harm. Proposition 65 stamped them. And here's why. Because they, and they admitted, self-admitted, saying on the website, lead and cadmium registered and caused the Proposition 65 warning to be triggered on here. Now, for the Proposition 65 warning, what they do is they find the level that uh, would be uh, would have no observable effect finally on humans and uh, lab animals, and they divided it by a thousand for the safety margin for a safety margin, which is which should be done because not everyone's the same, right? Not everyone has the same chemistry. Not everyone detoxes the same. Not everyone has the same genetic pathways to help detox. So not everyone's breaking that down. That's what I'm trying to get at. So the company put out this warning, and they said that that's the reason why they have this Proposition 65. So then you go on the website and you'll see they have this graph and on the graph it shows uh, different foods. It only has a one for lead. I don't even know, I don't know why they didn't include one for cadmium because that's another cause of concern. They only had one for lead and for Navitas in the lead, they put different foods, right? They showed like pineapples, avocados and the exposure to lead. But then at the bottom one, they compared that to the Proposition 65 level. Where they messed up is they should have compared it to their own product's level of lead because then they would have told us how much lead is in the product because if it's triggering a Proposition 65 warning, we don't know how much lead is in here. It can be way past. It could even be approaching dangerous levels. And because they're not a transparent company, they're not providing COAs, they're not calling Dr. Gonzalez back. They're not emailing people back. That's a big problem to me. With, and, and I don't, I don't, I don't want to believe that this company is high, really high in levels of lead or really high in levels of cadmium. But I don't know because you do not give me transparent information. So Navitas, I want to give love to you, but I can't because your company has dodged and dodged and dodged. So if this company was smart, if they were smart, they would put on that graph, like I said, lead and cadmium, their levels compared to different foods, so it can at least alleviate the consumer's brains. All right.
So with that said, Navitas, uh, like I said, I want to believe you're good, but I won't put my money when I know that there's better ones out there and I'll talk about it. Trader Joe's, same idea as Navitas. They have the Proposition 65 warning. We need more transparency. They didn't give me anything. I called out to them. And the same goes for Thrive Market. I asked them, nothing. They didn't provide anything. And that's what you're seeing. So if you're seeing Proposition 65 warnings, you're know, you know that it exceeds and it dings on California's uh, limits for particularly in this context of cacao powder, heavy metals. Volupta, we're almost done with the, with the worst ones. Volupta refused to share um, for proprietary reason. They hit us again with the soil explanation. Heavy metals are found in the soil. Sometimes they're low, sometimes they're high, but they're within guidelines of the FDA. Didn't mention anything about California. Didn't give me the COA, goodbye. Wellness Poets, same idea, no COA. I have trust issues. They sound great on email, but I don't believe you. Uh, I'm Lakesh. I am apostrophe Lakesh, COA, nothing, never gave me, just gave me numbers on email. I don't believe you. Cacao with K's instead of C's. They say their levels are zero. We don't believe you. We need your COAs. So those are other companies. See, again, unfortunately, had they been transparent, they could have been on the best list. But if you don't, if you're not transparent, then I can't talk about you. Um, so, so why don't we just go to the best list? Enough of this negativity. I need high vibration. I need light. I need empowering information. So let's go to the best of the best. Now, the best ones were the companies that were transparent, the companies that gave the COAs, right? The companies that were behind their products, the companies that easily gave their COAs, that did third-party testing, and their COAs were nicely broken down and, and, and just, just very easy to read. Like, this, was, this is good stuff. Now, sometimes if you, if you receive these certificates and ask for it, it may be hard because different ones report differently. Some reports in parts per million, some reports in parts per billion, some report in milligrams per kilogram. So basically what I did is I converted converted it all to micrograms, right? And micrograms are basically what is based on, remember I talked about the lead and cadmium levels for the Cali limits? Those were in micrograms per day. So what I did is I converted it into micrograms per tablespoon because most people use a tablespoon of cacao in a day. So that's basically what I did. I multiplied it by um, the amount in a tablespoon. So let's talk about the best of the best. Terra Soul. Terra Soul gave me the COA. They didn't mention anything about something being proprietary. We can't hook you up with it. They, they, they didn't give me any of that bull. They didn't give me no runaround. Um, their COA was easy to read. Literally four heavy metals that are found, the two highest ones they showed, uh, along with arsenic and mercury. And I did the conversion. And basically what it shows is that, what all these are gonna show is that Cacao at this point in the game, they all have heavy metals. Just depends on what level. I, I'm only gonna recommend, for the most part, either one to one and a half teaspoons, you'll hear me say, and some of them maybe one tablespoon. Do, do not exceed one tablespoon of cacao in a day, okay? And to be on the safer side, I probably do a teaspoon and a half or so or, or leave it at that, or maybe half a tablespoon. So the, the big point is don't do more than a tablespoon in a day. So Terrasol was good. It's good, it had good levels, but when you have a whole tablespoon of Terrasol, it's sort of approaching those levels of lead and cadmium that I don't like. So I will recommend that as being a really good one, but using up to one, one and a half teaspoons per day, leave it at that. 
Um, but Terrasol, thank you for being open and showing me the goods. Compared to Terrasol, the next three ones that I'm gonna talk about are all in the same book. Uh, they all had the same theme. So Wildly Organic, Mountain Rose, and Viva Naturals all provided me with COAs. And in those COAs, they were very easy to read, did the conversions, and basically for the Wildly Organic, I'm gonna recommend one teaspoon. Uh, for Mountain Rose, I'm gonna recommend one uh, tablespoon uh, or, or under. Uh, for Viva, one teaspoon. So for the next three, they're gonna follow the same chain. So they're very much so alike, they're good, but we just wanna stay away from doing more than one tablespoon. So for Wildly Organic, Mountain Rose, and Viva Naturals, they all provided me with COAs. They were easy to read, they were clean, they were third party, they were right there, and they didn't complain like the other companies about proprietary stuff, thank you. Um, so for all of these, I'm gonna recommend one teaspoon to one and a half teaspoons, okay? Because pretty much when you had a tablespoon of either or of these, they approach the higher limits of lead and or cadmium. So uh, again, still better quality ones. So my favorite. Now we're gonna go to my favorite one. The favorite one I found, the cleanest one that I found, and I promise you I am not sponsored by any of these, although I would not deny or push away a company for sending me cacao, Santa Barbara's Chocolate Company. They had the lowest levels per tablespoon of cadmium and lead of any cacao that I saw, Santa Barbara Chocolate Company. Never heard of them. I only heard of them when they commented on my uh, post and they said, we have very clean, uh, we have a very clean product. We'd be willing to send you COAs. They were really transparent and proud. And I was like, okay, well, let's wait till we see the COA, then we go from there. They send the certificate of analysis and it was third party tested. They were very much so willing. I did the numbers and guess what? Out of all of the cacaos that I saw, Santa Barbara Chocolate Company had the lowest levels of heavy metals per tablespoon. So if I buy cacao, I'm pretty much only going to buy the ones that I had mentioned in the best. At this point, there's no cacao that has zero, 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 zero across the board. All of them are gonna register for heavy metals. That's a, that's a fact of life at this point. So uh, I hope now you learned some companies that you can trust. And if I didn't mention a company in here, now you know what to do. You call up the company and you say, hey Jan, I, uh, I, uh, I wanna get your COA on this company and I need you to send it to me right now. I'm gonna go over it. I'm gonna send it to Dr. Gonzalez. We wanna empower me and my family. So get the numbers and um, send it to me if you can't do the conversion or you can look up different conversions, but basically you wanna get it to micrograms per day and compare that to the numbers that I spoke about, California's limits today. Oh man, that was quite the show. It was a lot of work. If you appreciated this, I'm gonna say this now and I'll say it in social media or whatever. If you appreciated the show and it helped you out and you learned about cacao, right? And you learned about heavy metals, so much work went in here, share it. Share it, share it, share it. I'm talking about share it minimum five people. Do five people in your life, friends, family, coworkers, whatever it is, and send it to them. That is my only ask of all time on this show that I will ask is that you share this because it's really empowering information. I feel really proud of this episode. 
All right. I can't wait to get this guest on. So let's move on to the special guest segment. We're going to learn so much about gut health. I really hope this helped you. Much love for everyone. All right, everyone. Today's special guest. I'm very excited. We have uh, known each other for a little bit now, but we shared a lot of the same podcast. Uh, we, we've been special guests. She's super brilliant. And we have not yet had anyone talk about gut health. So we're going to do our inaugural gut health episode and welcome Dr. Mary Pardee. Thank you. You got quite the intro. I know. It's like a radio intro. I, I know, like I know. I'm starting to get better at these. <laughs> so, um, well, 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 look, you live in Venice now. Yeah. That's I'm right Venice. by me. Yeah. I know. We're neighbors. How do you like Venice? I love it. I love it. Yeah? I had all these, like, stereotypes coming up to L.A. from San Diego and love it. Not leaving. Totally obsessed. Okay. I think mm. I pretty much open every show with something about L.A. to convince all my listeners and viewers to come move here. Oh, we don't want everybody to move here. Though. No, not everyone, but... But you guys, we do, for sure. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but but health-wise, do you notice, um, at least in California, but just a really... I, I push my listeners to come here because there's so much accessibility to health and food and wellness, correct? 100%. Yeah? The grocery stores are different, like Air One, favorite. Um, and you have access to healthy food no matter where you go. Yeah, I think uh, I think Air One should start sponsoring the show because every I, other I show agree. we mention it. Yeah, I have an Air One uh, rose water in my in my car right now that I'm looking to drink too. Yeah, um, they're the best. So, what really drew you in, in particular, to gut health? Yeah, well, in functional medicine, you can never do one thing, right? That's so I true. look at everything, no mm-hmm. matter what. Um, and I do do a lot of hormones, but gut health really is my passion because that's what drew me to naturopathic and functional medicine when I was younger. So I had gut issues growing up. I think uh, everyone has a story, mm-hmm. especially in school. I think we went around once and talked about why we're here. We did, yeah. Yeah. Everyone had issues, <laughs> health issues of some sort. So so I, I for quite a long time, I've, if I've, anywhere in my system is can be very sensitive, it's my digestive system. Yeah. Um, did you experience the same thing? Yeah, when I was younger, even as like a little girl, I had had a colonoscopy by the age of 10. So I had gut issues. I was diagnosed with IBS, SIBO, um, and never really felt right growing up in mm-hmm. terms of my gut. I was always bloated, had stomach pains, gas, constipation, things that as a little girl you don't really want to talk about to anybody. Yeah. Um, but that, that's what drew me to naturopathic medicine as I found it, and I started seeing a naturopathic doctor because there got to a point in conventional medicine where they basically said, you know, it's all in your head. You're totally fine. There's nothing that we can do. They put me on some medications and yeah. nothing worked. And so I was left with just like this feeling of being hopeless. Yeah. And I feel like nobody should have that feeling. There should always be some other avenue to look down. I will say the mind has like a huge piece of it though. And that's what I was missing when I was in my younger years. So mm-hmm. the mind does play a part. You can't ignore it. Yeah, I want to go into that. Yeah. But I also want to um, emphasize that, yeah, you are left not knowing what to do because mm-hmm. um, midway through college, my digestive system just stopped working well. Mm-hmm. I just started getting bloated and burping, and I said, what is going on? I had a colonoscopy, endoscopy. Um, we did uh, different stool tests. Mm-hmm. And 
do you know at <laughs> at the end the guy said you must be stressed and he he gave me a pamphlet for a religious pamphlet and he goes you need to find jesus wow a doctor I, did that yeah it's actually very unusual i, I go it's very unusual <laughs> i go oh well this is my answer if i it's the, the answer to all my gut problems is just finding jesus. religion jesus yeah, is it. yeah yeah so um if we could bottle him if we can bottle him and drink him up in a <laughs> capsule then uh that would be wonderful but um you mentioned that the mind plays an important role in gut health. I mean, it plays a huge role. Yeah. And I was, I come from a science background. Research was my thing. That's where I was going in the direction of PhD. And so I was very black and white. There's got to be a scientific reason for everything. Nothing's in your head. Your thoughts, your emotions, your beliefs have nothing to do with your physiology. Mm -hmm. And I don't believe that at all anymore because I've seen it. When people switch their way of thinking to that of like positivity or just that there is hope, and we see a lot of changes. I was talking about this yesterday to one of my patients. And when we look at like fecal transplant studies, there's always a placebo, right? Mm -hmm. For any study, there's a placebo. And some of the studies show a 9% remission rate with something like IBD, which is a serious gut condition, with the placebo enema. Yeah. 9%. Yeah. And that's just coming from your head because yeah. you're not getting anything confused. Yeah. So you can't play that down like you have to use that to your advantage so all of my patients get the book you are the placebo do you know mm -hmm. that one no but joe dispenza oh well i know joe dispenza yeah. so it's his book but no matter what if they have constipation ibs gerd or they're just like looking to lose weight everybody gets that book because i think that you got to harness that effect that nine percent is nine percent yeah that's powerful the yeah. power of the mind body yeah. and look i can attest to that because in the middle of college i was studying for a dental exam for eight months it, my life was just falling apart, mm -hmm. no social life. And it all happened there, you know? And it, in my mind, I was like, oh, you know, I just ate some bad sushi. Right. And I thought about, and this was pretty recently, I thought about, well, what the heck was happening around the sushi too? Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, I was like, I was more stressed than I ever was in my life. Yeah. And and I, I know that. And I, I see that in patients too. I can say it from my side in practice. Um, so, so the 9%, is pretty significant. Yeah. Have have you seen just people doing the treatment and changing their mindset to have really good outcomes too? Yeah. Yeah. It it totally expands your potential once you get to that point. So it's actually the people that can make that connection. That's where we see the big change happening. So I always think if you're not able to make the transition in your head of are, do you have the ability to get better? If there's a total sense of hopelessness and the world is against me and I'm not getting better, I've, I've rarely seen those people improve. Yeah, you know, I can, I can say this. Uh, I had this one patient with, with digestive issues, mm -hmm. really severe digestive issues. Mm -hmm. And after about three and a half, four months, I figured out that she just doesn't want to get better. Mm -hmm. I probably should have done it sooner, but um, all she wanted was someone to like let out and complain yeah. her issues on, but it, she was perpetuating the cycle of like self-loathing, self-pity. Yeah. And that's really difficult as pr practitioners to help these people, right? It is. Yeah. And if you tell your body that you're sick, it'll adopt that and it'll stay sick. Mm -hmm. And there's always a reason why we have the thoughts that we have. They're serving us in some way. So the fact that she wanted to stay sick almost 
she might have been gaining something somewhere else, whether it was more attention from a significant other mm. that she wasn't getting for other reasons, or, you know, there's always like, there's always that something, like why do we want to stay sick? Is that because you don't have a passion anywhere else in life and you don't have something else to do if you were totally better? Mm-hmm. Like what would you do with all your time that you spend at the doctor's office right now? Yeah, it's a great um, way to put it. Right? Um, so there's always something serving us, whether it's a negative thought or whether it's a positive thought. Yeah. But if we can switch that and make them to our advantage, then we can see huge changes. You sound like the female version of Joe Dispenza. Thank you. That's the best compliment <laughs> That's ever. We're going to get But I also here. think there's physiological reasons. Yeah. So I never tell somebody, okay, I think that this is all in your head. Of course, right? yeah. We're always working on the groundwork, especially in the gut. It's really the milieu. Like, what is that microbiome made out of? How can we change it? How can we decrease inflammation, support the immune system? So I'm always doing both. But if you're missing that piece, it's such a big piece that yeah. you're missing. I, I think that it's necessary for anybody who anyway. presents to do both. Mm-hmm. You you cannot, I actually work on the fundamentals. I call them non-negotiables in my treatment plans. And it's all based on this stuff, yeah. right? And there's a huge paragraph on mind-body. And I said non-negotiable, probably the most important one, start here. Yeah, right? and those are the ones that myself included when I was a patient, and I'm still a patient, right, always. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I was the client, that's the one that you like, you look at it and you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. What supplement am I taking? Yeah. We're so conditioned in our society that it has to be a pill um, in order to. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So uh, at least uh, I I always say the good practitioner will present you with all of this awesome stuff, this, this data showing, look, this is what's going on. And then push aside all those papers and go, what the heck's going on in your life? Let's talk about it. Yeah. And take and take a visit talking about that. And then at least putting this person into a mindset being like, well, damn, that's been holding me down. He or she's been holding me down. Here's what's not serving me, ready to let this go, yeah. at least so they have yeah. the awareness. Yeah, I love that. I, I love what you do. Thank you. Right back <laughs> at you. Um, okay, so you talked about, um, well, before we get into the microbiome, I want to talk about fecal transplants a little bit. Yeah, you we can't talk that. about one I know. without talking about the other. I know. So, so, okay, actually, I'm really intrigued about that, but let's put that on hold. Let's just go straight into the microbiome. Okay. How many implications do the microbiome have in the health of an individual? How much implication? We have no idea. We don't even know. We haven't even scratched the surface yet. So in the last, you know, 10 years especially, the research on the microbiome has totally exploded. Um, Relating it to things that are totally unrelated to the gut, um, autism, multiple sclerosis, Parkinson's, diabetes, metabolism, blood sugar regulation, like that whole gamut. It's almost looking like everything. So the reason behind that too is that we have the the microbes in our gut, right? Mm -hmm. And so that obviously is affecting the gut. But these guys release compounds called metabolites. And it's estimated that a third of the contents in our blood is actually from the microbiome. Yeah, my head just exploded on that right? one. That's that's cool. One that's third. so cool. Obviously estimates, but yeah, so we, that stuff circulates and can affect all of our organ systems, yeah. our nervous system. You know, we have the gut-brain connection that everybody knows by now. Mm-hmm. Um, but those microbes talk to the nerves in our gut, and that sends an information signal to the brain. So yeah, yeah, like could, a direct connection. It could literally affect everything. We yeah. have no idea. So There's so, so many factors. Do you think that in another ten years we're just going to be like, oh well, damn, like most of our health is just focused on the health of these critters. I think a a lot of it, right? And you can't downplay um, 
like weight control, food, but food affects the gut too. So right. it's all related, but you can't just say, I'm just going to. Yeah. Environmental stuff, yeah, all that other stuff. thoughts. But the thing is, like you said, they're all intertwined together mm -hmm, too, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. It makes research really difficult because you yeah. can't say one-to-one -one correlation with anything because yeah. then yeah. you have to factor in everything else that's going on with that person. Yeah. So um, what, we have trillions and trillions, mm -hmm. right? Okay. What is people always, and I know the listeners ask me, what the heck is dysbiosis, right? Mm, yeah. And I know this is a basic thing for us, but can we just explain, like, what's dysbiosis? How does it happen? Can we do better or get better from it? What happens? Yeah, so dysbiosis, dys in, is it Latin? I'm guessing, D Y S. Basically, it just means a, a disorder. So, um, dysbiosis is really just an imbalance of bacteria in the intestines. So too much of the bad guys, not enough of the good guys, or a mixture of something in between. Um, so just not an optimal microbiome state. That's what we call dysbiosis, especially in functional medicine. Um, so that can happen because, again, you're not eating the right stuff. So our microbiome really feeds off of fibers and polyphenols from our food. Um, those two things are the big driving factors for the microbiome. Coming in what? Fruits, vegetables, yeah. right? Basic stuff. Basic stuff that we should always be eating. People are always asking me, what fiber supplement should I add to my diet? I'm oh, like, God. vegetables, <laughs> add those, like a lot of them. They're like, well, can you just put it in a pill for yeah, me? Yeah, exactly. Um, powders, pills, yeah. But yeah, you can just eat real food and mm -hmm. that works really well. So those are our prebiotics. Those are the things that feed the biotics, the bacteria. Um, so that's the easiest way to change the microbiome. Are prebiotics then more important than probiotics or vice versa, or they both have the same efficacy? What, which one, how do we go about treating ourselves if we can't afford a naturopathic or functional doctor? Yeah. Pre uh, prebiotics, 100%. Yeah. They're, it starts with food. Yeah. You can't out supplement a bad diet. Mm -hmm. You never will get ahead of it. And probiotics can be really helpful in certain conditions. Certain conditions, I haven't seen them do much of anything at all, especially if you stay on the same one. But your, your probiotics aren't going to change your microbiome that much. They're not going to shift it, which is what we'd really like to do in a lot of these conditions. Yeah, I think there's a misunderstanding. So I, I mm -hmm. want you to talk more about that because w the belief is we suck up a probiotic and then right. all these happy bugs go, oh, you know, we're going to repopulate your whole gut mm -hmm. and you'll be fine. Yeah. What happened? That would be amazing, would too, because then I wouldn't have to do, <laughs> to do a lot it, of this yeah. stuff. Um, but it doesn't happen. So our probiotics are more like, I call them like little happy travelers that pass through and then they're excreted. So you take a lactobacillus capsule, goes down your GI tract, opens up somewhere, depending on what kind of capsule it's in it. And then that lactobacillus talks to our gut microbes and tells them, okay, excrete more of these anti-inflammatory compounds, or it talks to our human cells and says, talk to the brain and tell it to calm down. It says all these signals and helps us produce certain chemicals that can be beneficial to the gut. So it can be anti-inflammatory and can help regulate the immune system. What it doesn't do though is put down its roots, multiply, spread out, and colonize. So that doesn't happen. It can push out some of the bad guys. So if you put enough of the probiotics in, you can maybe decrease some of the bad guys that are in there. But it doesn't hang out. As soon as you take it, you poop it out, it's gone. So it's a traveler. Um, I love that visual because I need those analogies to mm -hmm. better understand. So it's really just a matter of signals, right? Communication mm -hmm. going, hey, guys, do better here. Mm -hmm. Hey, cells, do better here. Yeah. Right? Okay, so I think that's really important understanding for all of us. 
because like you like there's misinformation out there right and but if you take a probiotic and you didn't do your job in terms of eating vegetables then it's not going to have the groundwork to actually talk to the right bugs you know what i mean you have to change the milieu you actually mentioned this on another podcast that we were both on the soil like mm-hmm. the soil analogy right yeah. if you don't change the soil then the plant still can't grow and the soil really is the the veggies and all that good stuff that's the, the, the good prebiotics prebiotics yeah all right so then there's some people who go i can't eat veggies i can't eat prebiotics because i get so bloated yeah then, then then what happens how do they get in prebiotics right and that's where a lot of people are at is that they can't tolerate fiber because it causes like in terrible terrible bloating and i've been there too um so you have to figure out what you can tolerate and add that in small quantities and build on it um, you also have to work with a practitioner at that point that can figure out how to get rid of the bad guys that are causing the bloating. Because when there's gas in the intestines, it means a couple of things. You could be consuming too much air, which is actually one of the biggest causes of bloating, is that people are swallowing air when they're drinking, uh-huh. drinking too much carbonated beverage, uh-huh. or they're snoring at night and they're swallowing air at night. And it's just bloating you up. And bloating you, yeah. Really? If you're getting bloated directly after eating, then it's likely to do with the food. Uh-huh. So in that case, you got to figure out what's producing the gas because our human cells don't produce gas. The only thing that produces gas are methanogens. They produce methane and then hydrogen producing bacteria in the intestines. And so that's where like the SIBO breath test comes in, the lactulose hydrogen methane breath test. So folks are eating mm-hmm. and then burping 20 minutes later, an hour later, should they then go get a SIBO breath test? Yeah, I mean, there's a bunch of testing you have to do for that, right? So what yeah. you described, you have to rule out H. pylori, which mm-hmm. could be there. Um, but yeah, and then a SIBO breath test is also on the list of things too. And if it's elevated, then you treat for SIBO. And if it's not elevated, sometimes I'll still treat for SIBO. So you, could you just treat for SIBO? Yeah. Sure, you could. Yeah. Um, I like the numbers just because they give me some information. And there's good stuff out there for SIBO that can really be effective, right? There is. SIBO's a little bit of a bugger to treat. It's not like a one time you're done kind of thing. Usually you have to do a few rounds. Some people it is one and done and they're totally fine. But the overgrowth of the bacteria is always due to something else going on. Right. right. So you have to figure out what caused it in the first place. Are you not pooping every day? Like were you constipated to begin with and because you're not moving that bacteria through you're getting an overgrowth? Mm-hmm. And then the overgrowth is causing increase in methane, which is constipating you further. So there's this cycle, but you have to figure out what was the original cause, and you got to tackle that. It's usually some sort of motility disorder. Okay, thank you. That yeah. was that was cool. That was cool <laughs> to hear. So yeah, placebo is a really hot topic, and a lot of people ask about it. Yeah. So then, what happens when they're on this? They go. Uh, my dietitian put me on a FODMAP diet. Mm-hmm then they can't have any fiber, really. Right. So is that okay for them to do, or is, it depends, or what? Yeah, low FODMAP diets are taking out specific fermentable starches, so mm-hmm. you can still eat some vegetables, but they're never the solution to SIBO. You can do it to reduce symptoms and get the person just comfortable, but if you're not doing a antimicrobial approach to SIBO, then you're not going to get results that last your lifetime. You're just going to feel better, but you're going to be on a super restrictive diet. And I don't think anybody should be on a super restrictive diet for their entire life. They're used to treat, and then you move on and you expand, and you should be able to eat almost whatever you want. Yeah, that's that's exactly what I wanted. That's why I asked the question, because people will come and they go, I'm on the FODMAP diet. It's fine. Yeah. I'm like, it's not fine. No. You know, it's just like a little band-aid. You shouldn't have to be looking at your app for the rest of your life saying, oh. Yeah. 
nope, only a quarter of an avocado today. Right. Like, then, that's not okay. And then it cuts out so many good quality foods, too. So, so many, yeah. We have to build up the gut, so finally then you can start taking those in. Yeah. Oh, my God, I can't wait to talk about this one. What about antibiotics? Antibiotics. Yeah, well, let's go into that. They, because First of all, they're amazing, right? They save people's lives. They save people's lives, so we're not here to villainize no. them, but we want to put things in perspective. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So we use antibiotics now to treat sinus infections and sore throats most of the time, which are viral, right? Mm -hmm. So if you're treating a virus with an antibiotic, then that can be really the foundation for dysbiosis, that imbalance of bacteria. If you have strep throat or you have a bacterial infection that requires an antibiotic, then that's an appropriate use for an antibiotic, and I would agree with that if it's a life-saving matter, right? Um, we're just over-prescribing antibiotics in conventional medicine, so that has to be changed. Yeah, and overprescribing is sometimes the understatement mm -hmm. because the last time that I really took antibiotics was when I had a virus. Mm -hmm. um, it, I, I, we knew I, we had a virus, and I still was given a, a, a antibiotics because yeah. the virus wasn't getting better because you know it was bad conditions. Right. But I was given antibiotics, and I said, "Why am I giving this?" Antibiotic? And I still took it. You still took it, yeah. and I didn't get better. Yeah. But the overprescribing is a major thing. Mm -hmm. Is do you think that that's part of the reason why, over the years, people's everyone has digestive issues? Why is gut health such a hot topic? Because everyone's experiencing some sort of. I haven't met someone with like a steel digestive system. No. Aside from like, my dad. Right. You know what I mean? Growing up, I yeah. still I still haven't. What's going on? Is it the over-prescribing antibiotics? Is it maybe I think the food that's quality? A, I think that's a piece of it. And yeah, food quality, I think, is a piece of it, too. I think it's that we're not sitting down with like family and friends enjoying our meal over an hour or two hours. We're shoving things in our mouth as we're driving down the road on the way to work. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And we're really not tapping into that parasympathetic rest and digest enough because that's what you need to be consuming and digesting your food. You need to be in a state of total you know, relaxation and abundance and kind of chilling out. And we're not chilling out as much anymore. So is one of your prescriptions then for all of us to be present with our food, maybe take a few breaths and then eat, no phone, no people, no highways? Yeah, yeah, just be present and have a meal and sit down. Um, walking is also another prescription that I use all the time. It's like this pas passive leisure time that we don't have anymore um, where we can just tell our body, hey, you have nothing else to do. There's no tigers coming at us. Um, <laughs> we're not you know, having to metabolize all the other things or think about all this stuff. Yeah. We can just focus on digesting our food. Back to antibiotics real quick. Mm -hmm. I know we just we touched on it, but so if I take antibiotics, does it destroy my whole digestive system in one shot? What happens? Because no. we yeah. hear that sometimes. Yeah, and that that's definitely more villainized. Um, your your microbiome will can go back to a normal state after a course of antibiotics. It's when you have recurrent usage of antibiotics over the years and not the proper measures to bring it back in line that we see that I've seen more issues. So one round of antibiotics um, is not going to totally wreck you. Mm -hmm. They even look at like, there's what studies been, what happens to the microbiome after a colonoscopy or a surgery? And the microbiome will shift somewhere else, but then it drifts back to where it was before typically. And we usually see that with antibiotics too. But yeah, it's when we get these recurrent episodes that you've been on antibiotics five, yeah. 10 times in adulthood, or as a child, you had strep throat or a sore throat and were prescribed antibiotics for so 
you know, such amount of time. Or you had acne and your yeah. doctor didn't want to figure out what the acne was caused by. So you were on minocycline, doxycycline, tetracycline for a year or two years. Yeah. That messes up the microbiome. Completely. And I know that. And I, and I wanted you to say that because a lot of people are super interested in knowing about that. So then is there, um, when... I'm intrigued by fecal transplants, mm-hmm. and I admittedly haven't jumped into them the way you have. And I know the listeners would like to hear a little bit about them. What what do they do? Um, are they safe? Mm-hmm. Can you tell us a little bit? Yeah, so FMT is fecal microbiota transplantation. And it wasn't until, I don't know how long it was, but we were using them for a lot more things in the U.S. until the FDA put restrictions on it and said you can only use this for the treatment of recurrent C. difficile infections, so Mm -hmm. C. diff infections. And that's a really serious life-threatening infection that can actually cause death, um, pseudomembranous colitis, like things that you don't want to mess around with. So we can use them in that case now. But other than that, we can't see what else they're doing for people with just IBS, IBD, other GI, like functional GI conditions as well. Um, But what they actually are is that you are taking the feces, poop, from a healthy person that ideally is mentally healthy, emotional health, healthy, socially, physically, obviously, has a good GI tract, isn't, doesn't have constipation, bloating, diarrhea, any of those things. And you're implanting it through enema most of the time, but we can also use capsules, so orally, um, through the colon. And you're recolonizing the gut microbiome that way. So you're actually, it's a poop transplant. Yeah, that's crazy it's, to hear. Yeah. But... The caveat is that you have to make sure that the person is healthy. So you have to do blood screening. You have to do a verbal screening, asking about travel, history, like all of these things, and blood and stool tests to make sure that they are healthy because you can transmit infections via the stool. It's another biotherapeutic like Mm -hmm. blood. Um, So that's where we see, you know, the issue is that people are doing them at home. They don't screen their donors, and then they can get infections. And if the person that's getting the transplant isn't is immunocompromised, like they have, you know, some sort of chronic illness that is making them immunocompromised, they're an increased risk for those infections, right? I see. Yeah. So that's where we have to be more careful and screen the donors. But the the research on them is fascinating. Yeah. For C diff, ninety percent cure rates for C diff. Yeah. And vancomycin and fidixomycin, like the other treatments for C. diff, have pretty good cure rates on the initial 61 to, it's like 61 to 90 percent for those antibiotics, but they have a 25 to 30 percent recurrence rate, yeah, yeah. which is huge. And the therapy doesn't. And then if you try to treat C. diff with an antibiotic when it's recurrent C. diff, you've already had it once, the rate of success drops significantly, like down to 25% after yeah, that. Yeah. And so we have these things called FMT, and they have a 90% cure rate with only a 5% reoccurrence rate. And you're actually recolonizing the gut to fix the issue from the get-go. And the side effects are like very minimal if you know that the donor was healthy. That's awesome. Yeah. So, so but, but is now we're using it for more than C. diff? Yes. So in my practice, I'll help screen people's donors because it's the whole idea that came from condoms, right? Do we give kids condoms and make sure that they practice safe sex? Or do we say, nope, just don't have sex. Nobody have sex. Yeah. Right? Like that that doesn't really work that well. So I'm on the line of I'd rather make sure people are going to do FMT at home because there's such great success, especially with ulcerative colitis. Um, They're going to be doing it. So why don't I make sure that their donor is really healthy and that they don't get sick from it? Okay. 
So I'll help screen donors for people to make sure that their donor is healthy and then tell them, you know, how to actually go about the process and if they have any questions. So okay. it's more of a resource for them. Okay, cool, cool. Mm -hmm. I love that. Um, so if you're interested, just listen for, uh, listen to the show, listen to the doc and, and follow up on the FMT. All right, so for people who have a poor digestive system, mm -hmm. bloating, burping, either constipation, diarrhea, nausea, mm -hmm. it's a mess. Um, what are some, what are maybe three tips that they can start doing now to improve it, aside from hooking up with a naturopathic right. doctor, functional doctor? Yeah. Um, first, for anybody with like that diarrhea, constipation, bloating, like those are like the main symptoms typically. Um, reflux is easy. Go with like whole foods diet and most people will totally be fine with reflux. You mean don't take Prilosec mm. or Nexium <laughs> as a first line therapy? Yeah, just I mean, try food maybe? Yeah, just if you can actually commit to it, changing your diet to a whole foods, whole foods diet and reducing your weight can be like the fix for reflux. Okay. But for the other things, the stuff that I recommend first is foods that are easy to digest. So stick to cooked foods if you've got any of the IBS symptoms. Um, raw vegetables can be harder on the GI tract. So cooked soups, stews, um, pureed foods as well can be really easy on the GI tract. And then go to a whole foods diet. So taking out any processed foods, sugar alcohols can cause bloating, like anything that shouldn't be um, it, you can't grow it in your garden, basically. Um, but really avoiding nuts can be a big one for IBS symptoms. This is while you're figuring things out, though, because I for think sure. that eventually you should be able to yeah, eat everything. Yeah, great, yeah. And then three meals per day can be really helpful. So grazing is actually not the best thing for people with IBS or SIBO. We're never giving the GI tract the time to move, and the motility complex, which is the migrating motor complex mm -hmm. that we learned about in physiology, mm -hmm. that isn't triggered until three hours of fasting. So mm -hmm. these people that are grazing all day long are never it's just triggering. There. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they're never triggering their migrating motor complex to actually get things moving. Um, so those are my big things. Walking is another one, and tapping into that parasympathetic nervous system, meditation, all the base basics, really. Yeah, I, I love the the part about grazing because yeah. we don't hear enough about that. Mm -hmm. um, you should do a post on that. Okay, Re please do. Uh, so keeping time, how much time in between meals then? Three to four hours. Three to four hours, everyone. Stop going in and eating those granola chips or the plantain chips or the yeah. chip chips, and uh, and making sure you rest your digestive it, system, totally. get it, let, let it work properly. Man, I wish I wish we had two hours with you. <laughs> Can you come back one day? Absolutely, I'd love to. Can we do another like GI part two? Yeah. We have a lot. The GI can be covered in one talk. Oh, never. Yeah. Right? There's so much to talk about. Okay. Well, we're going to have you back in October. Beautiful. I'm here. Okay. Listeners, viewers, she's coming back in October. <laughs> Where can people find you? Yeah, so my company is called Modern Med with Modern No E, so M-O-D-R-N-M-E-D.com. Instagram is at doctor.maryparty, mm -hmm. and those are my main ones. Where do you practice? Century City, Los Angeles, so right near Beverly Hills. Okay, and, and if someone wants to get in touch with you from outside of the state, should they reach out to you? Yeah, and... please. Okay. I do some virtual um, telehealth mm -hmm. stuff too, so. Okay, yeah, yeah she's happen. really good. Take my word for it. All right. Everyone who has digestive issues, make sure you listen to this show. A lot of good stuff. Um, and yeah, reach out to uh, Dr. Pardee, if anything. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you, Dr. G. What an amazing guest. I'm so happy that she came on the show. It is our first gut health guest 
and uh, I was really looking forward to it because everyone has digestive issues. I even tend to have them. Uh, everyone so really empowering information i said that i'm going to get her back on and i promise you i will because we only went over half of it there's so much more we wanted to cover i promise you if you don't feel satiated from this episode there's more coming um like always give love to everyone go hug your dad go hug your mom go hug your best friend and uh yeah support the show rate review subscribe do everything keep us boosting up and transparent and open and much love to everyone have a good week